All right. Let's open up our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 5. Now, as we've been going through this portion of uh, Nehemiah, we left off with him uh, rebuilding the wall and the, he's going about the, the Jerusalem and all of that. So let's pray and get our hearts focused on what God is going to say to us tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, you've given it to us, Lord, to cut between truth and error, light and darkness, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would be the one that cuts between these things that, Lord, that we need to see in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would be the one that be the teacher here tonight, Lord. Uh, I pray that, Father, as the words come forth, it would be your words. And we just look to you, the author and the finisher, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Nehemiah. He's doing the rebuilding process. He's there in, in Jerusalem. The, build, the walls are being restored. They're halfway up. And he meets with opposition from Sanballat and Tobiah. And these two guys were so much at a, uh, I mean, at odds with him that they were out to really go to war with him. And so uh, he, they had a plan to come in and start you know, a fight or be able to have a battle with them. And so Nehemiah got word of this. And so what he did is he told the guys, okay, you, half of you guys be over here and you have your trowels and everything ready, but the other half behind the wall and you guys stay back here. And if they attack, you guys come to our aid and uh, help us fight this off. Now, there's a moral to that. And the moral is for us today is that we don't know when the enemy will attack or where he will attack from. But the point of it is, is that we should be ready. We should be uh, uh, children of God, that we have the whole armor of God we put on. We put on the robes of righteousness because we don't know when or where or how it may come. So we need to be spiritually on our toes when the, at all times. And that's what Nehemiah was doing with these guys. Now, Nehemiah was a guy who liked to make things happen. He was a happening guy. And what he did is that he put things together. He was an organizer, and he got all of this stuff together there uh, and the men and, and their work and to take care of all of that. And so during this time, here was Sanballat and Tobiah, and these were the, the attackers from without. Well, he went through a time, and then the attacks and the, the, the resistance began to uh, come from within and so here he is he's coming in the background of all of this there's a famine so he's 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 fighting many many different angles he's got his hands everywhere in this and so it says here in verse one and there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their jewish brethren for there were those who said we our sons and our daughters are many Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. There was also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our lands and our vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children, as their children. And indeed, we are forced, forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not our is is it not in our power to redeem them? For other men have had our lands and vineyards. You know, there this this whole scenario that's here is 
is is an attack on the just basically their their group their body and and that this is correlates to us is this is that when satan attacks he'll attack from the outside but he'll also attack from the inside and from within and this is what was going on here things had gone from bad to worse now a famine is in the land and people were beginning to starve they're beginning to turn and they didn't know what to do they 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 couldn't go plant their crops they couldn't even go harvest their crops and so they began to wail and mourn. And what was, that means is literally that they were in the, the streets, the great outcry. They were going, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, and they were mourning and weeping and crying uh, uh, for what they, they couldn't meet their needs. They couldn't take care of their families. And so they began to sell their properties. They began to mortgage them. They began to go to the, 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 those re- wealthy ones and say, hey, I need some money. To, I can't even feed my kids. And so they began to mortgage their, their, uh, their lands, their vineyards, their, their olive groves, and things like that. And, and what the rich did is they, they started taking advantage of it. Now, these are Jewish uh, wealthy men, nobles, who were taking advantage of these not-so-fortunate uh, uh, Jews that they were there. And so they began to borrow money against their their properties and the the rich got richer and the poor got poor and and in the end they couldn't even pay the bill they couldn't even pay their mortgage bill and so what happened is that uh, they began to take their kids and put their kids and sell their kids into slavery and the kids became slaves for their payment and so this is what they're crying out not only that they didn't have food but their kids were being taken their mortgage and their lands I mean they were losing out everywhere you know greed is threatening their very existence here and it can do that so nehemiah as he's there he's the intercessor and they come to nehemiah and they say and they they tell him all of this of what's happened and nehemiah says in verse six and i became very angry when i heard their outcry and these words after serious thought I rebuked the nobles, the rulers, and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from your, his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. And I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold, in, sold to the nations. Now indeed, will you even sell your brethren? Or should they, or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? God had delivered them. God, the, the reputation of God was on the line. God had brought them out from the land of Egypt. He brought them out from all the other bondages. He set them free. And now they were taken and they were putting them uh, under, under uh, slavery. I also with my brethren and my servants am leading them uh, lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also a hundredth of the money and the grain and the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. So these guys were out of control, the, the, the wealthy ones, the nobles, the, the rulers. They were out of control. They were extracting a debt from them that was so severe there, was, there would be no way for them to pay it off. 
And so they're, they're in dire straits. These people are in dire straits. So Nehemiah, he's angry. Notice it just says there, Nehemiah's response. And I became very angry, you know. He was mad because this shouldn't have happened. This is family. You don't treat family like this. The Jewish people in their, in their homeland, in that place, they, they were from the, uh, the lineage of Jacob, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and uh, they were family. And yet they were taking advantage of each other. They were using each other. And so Nehemiah, he rebukes them for taking advantage of each other. Now, as Nehemiah, no, no doubt, as Nehemiah was uh, basically rebuking them, I, I love this about him because I believe that he was a man of the word of God. I believe that uh, no doubt as he rebuked them, he was reflecting back on Exodus 22, uh, verse 25, and Leviticus 25, 36. Leviticus 22, 25 says, and this is in the, is in the uh, Mosaic Law and in Leviticus, If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like the money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. This was a law. And yet they were breaking the law. Now, uh, if you break the law, you speed, what happens? You get a ticket and you got to go to court. If you do something wrong and you break the law, you got to answer for it. And so they have broken the Mosaic law and you break the Mosaic law. Judgment isn't too far behind. And so they are in trouble. They didn't realize that they were in trouble, but they're really they're in trouble. But there's still time for them to straighten things out, to get it all straightened out. So he calls the leaders together and he says to them, Hey, did we free our brothers from slavery from Babylon just to bring them back here and make slaves of them again? What you're doing is wrong. He rebuked them. He challenges them. Hey, don't you, don't you fear God? You need to correct this thing. You know, God told us not to take our, our brothers and charge them interest. And here you are, you're charging them such great interest that they're even having to take their kids and slave them, uh, put them into slavery just to pay their debt to you. Don't you walk in the fear of God? In the Shema of Israel, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. In that, it, that the Shema means to listen and obey. And the problem that was happening here, they weren't listening and they weren't obeying for sure. So he says, don't charge your brothers interest. Don't charge them interest. Now, he went on and he told them and he reminded them that he had the authority to extract uh, taxes if he, need, if he needed what, or if he needed to or if he wanted to. But he didn't. He didn't. He didn't do that. Instead, he took from his own resources, his own coffers. And he began to lend the money to them. He began to help them out. He began to, and without any interest, no interest, you don't worry about it. And see, he told them, you need to do the same. You need to do the same. Well, in charging interest, now their enemies, they weren't, they weren't ignorant of the law of God. They, were, they knew that in the law of God that they, the Jews were not to charge interest with each other. And David even said, he says, you've given occasions for our enemies to blaspheme God because of their disobedience and because of their, their uh, um, rebelliousness. 
And so Nehemiah, he's saying basically the same thing. He says, you're giving the enemies, our enemies, occasion to sit back and blaspheme God. And so he says, this is not good. You need to correct it. You need to get this straightened out. Because they, they're just saying you're all a bunch of hypocrites because you're not following after what you're preaching. You're not doing what you're saying. And so in verse 12 says, So they said, We will restore it and will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. Then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And praised the Lord. Then the people did according to this promise. Now they, they just come out of captivity. And it was evident as they came out of captivity that the law of God had been neglected. It had been neglected in the sense that, that the nobles and the priests and uh, I mean the rulers, they were exacting uh, a charge of interest upon their brothers. And it's according to the word, they weren't doing it. So the word of God during this time of their struggle in, in uh, captivity is that they weren't being taught the word. Well, the responsibility of the teaching of the word fell on the priests. So the priests had failed and they were derelict in their duty of bringing the word to the people. And so Nehemiah, he charges them, okay, this is what you're going to do. And they said, yes, we will do it. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll restore everything. We'll charge no, no longer charge any interest. And then he turned his attention to the priest and he says to them the same thing. He says, okay, now I want you to take the same oath. I want you to sit back and make sure that you don't charge interest. I want you to make sure that the word of God is brought forth. And they, they all said, yes, we'll do it. They had failed to bring the word of God. You know, when, when um, see, my people perish but for lack of knowledge, the word says. And the reason that there's lack of knowledge is that they're not being taught. They're not being shown. The, the, the scripture says that in the last days, there'll be a famine in the land and the famine will be for the word of God. It's, it's important that we don't step and move the ancient markers, as it says in the Old Testament. It says that they move the ancient markers. There's markers that are set by us and that they've been set there as true and they're reliable. And that's the word of God. It's true. It's reliable. And we, we, we can't mess with it. Deuteronomy says don't add to or take away from the words of this law and, Je and uh, Revelation says don't add to or take away from the words of this prophecy. So we have the bookends that tell us in between don't mess with it. Take it as it is and bring it out. And so Nehemiah he's, he's charging them to stay on point. And then he comes to him and he says he, he took and shook out the folds of his of his robe of his robes, uh, basically that's he was saying. You know, it was a warning. If they didn't obey the command of the Lord, that they could be cut off or shaken out of the fold of Israel. You know what? You don't want to be a part with us. Then I'll just shake out the the fold of of my robes, and that's where you'll be treated as you'll be treated as not a part of the of the of the of the family of the nation. Then he turned his attention and those who had been taking advantage 
to those who had been taken advantage of, they were pretty excited, wouldn't you be? Your land and everything is being restored that had been taken, wrongly taken away from you. How would you feel? I think I'd be pretty excited. Well, they were pretty happy that because everything's going to be restored to them. Their homes, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and all these were being restored back to them. And so Nehemiah, he didn't, he, he didn't just talk about it. it wasn't, he wasn't a person that would just talk about it. He did it. He would step up and he'd say, this is the way you should go. And then he would go that way and he would be an example to them. And so what he did is he took his own resources, his own, his own wealth, and he began to lend it to these people. And he did it without, without causing or charging them any interest. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? We had a debt that we could not pay, and he paid the debt, an extreme debt that there was no way that I could pay it, and he paid it for me. Nehemiah is a picture and a type of, of Christ right here, as a redeemer to, to help the people get out of the circumstance and the situation they're in. And so verse 14, it says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the twelfth year until the thirty-second year of King Artaxerxes, twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread, wine, uh, besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. So here's Nehemiah. He's come from that time that he was a servant of King Artaxerxes and was appointed governor over Judah, he and his brothers, when they were called to come there, he never took advantage of them. They never took anything from them. Um, We're going to find out more about his brothers later on in chapter 7, but he just mentions them here in passing. Now, before Nehemiah was governor, the former governors, they leaned on the people. Uh, They leaned on them. They they took uh, taxes from them. They took uh, um, from the produce from them. They... They, they basically, you know, said, you've got to support us. You've got to take care of us. But Nehemiah said, not me, because I fear God. I fear God. I'm not going to sit back and allow myself to fall into a trap here. You know, I, I want to say that it, it's a shame, but many times in some fellowships, the whole service is centered around a collection. Um, I've, I've seen it. I know you probably have, too. It's centered around the, and it puts pressure on the people. To give. You know, the, the, Paul said that uh, let each one give as he's purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly, but cheerfully. Because God does what? He loves a cheerful giver. And it's no obligation. But see, that's what Nehemiah was doing here. He's not obligating. He's not putting pressure on him. And, and Nehemiah said, not me. I'm not going to be one of those guys. When In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul speaking because he was charged that he was taking advantage of uh, the people. But he says, and we labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. And then in, in 2 Corinthians eleven nine, he says, and when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. 
For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied, and in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. Uh, it's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. It's about pouring out, and that's where Nehemiah is. He's not only loaning them his money. He's taking it and saying, you know what, don't worry about it. If you can't pay it back, uh, I'm not going to... I'm. Uh, I'm not going to force you to have to sell your land or anything. And so verse 16 says, Indeed, I also continued to work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work and at my table. So he steps up, and he not only steps up by himself, but he has his servants coming. And they're saying, you know what? We need to step in here and take care of everything. And, and, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which, we, now that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowl were prepared for me and once every 10 days in abundance of all kinds of wine. Yes, in spite of all this, I did not demand the governor's portion. These, these were free will offerings that were coming in because the bondage was heavy on, the, on this people. So he, he's, he's stepping up. He's coming alongside. And he never asked for any more than what he needed at the moment. And he never asked any more from what he'd lent. He didn't ask any more. And if they were uh, late, he never foreclosed on them. He never went back. Uh, Nehemiah is a champion. He's a champion example for us. He, he came to give and he didn't come to take. He came to, to lay down. So instead of asking for support, he supports them. You know, you don't find that in politics, do you? You know, <laughs> politics is like, you take care of me. You take care of me. You take care of me. It isn't like, I'll take care of you. Well, Nehemiah is showing uh, a true uh, leadership here. Now, some... There were some 150 that has been determined by this, that they were of the Jews and the rulers and those who were the nations that were around them were, were actually over maybe 300 to more that ate at his table. You know, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good dinner. You know, he's got 300 people there and he's taking care of all of He's not asking anybody to chip in and all these other other provisions came in and the the daily was one ox. You ever seen how big an ox is? Those things are huge. I mean, I've seen, you know, steer and things like that, but an ox, ox, a big working ox, they're big. Uh, six choice sheep. Now sheep are, oh, my sheep, they were probably, you know, maybe that long, probably about that high and about that wide. So you got six of those and then you have fowl that were prepared and then abundance of all kinds of wine every 10 days. And, and, but he says, in spite of this, I didn't demand the governor's portion. I didn't say, you know what, this is what it says I need. He never did that. He never pulled rank on them. Nehemiah is looking at these people and he's saying, you know what? They're poor. They're struggling. They can barely even make, meet their own needs here. And he felt sorry for them. He had compassion on them. And so he, he takes care of them. And I, I was thinking of Luke 9, verse 12, and it says, When the days began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, 
Send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, Jesus speaking, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there are there were about five thousand men. Now, I want to make a point here. Now, they're just pointing out men. Most men in those days at that time that they were out by himself, their wives were with them. So you double that. So there's 10,000. Then you have not only the, the husbands and the wives, you have kids. Now, there could be at least one more or those. They wanted to have as many as they could. So you're looking at maybe fifteen to 20,000 people that are there. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Then he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50, and they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate. I'm going to say that, all, every one of them. Over 15,000 people, they were all filled, and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. So... You know, they, they had uh, doggy bags to go home with. So they had. So he finishes this section, Nehemiah. He sends up a little postscript prayer to God. And he says, remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Now, this is an active prayer. It's not a passive prayer. It's an active prayer. Passive prayer goes, oh, Lord, bless you and keep you. And then you leave them alone. You don't do anything. Active prayer is when you pray for them and then you go, oh, you know what? They, you, you know what? I, I, want, I can take care of that for you. He was, he was not just, uh, and I want to tell you this. If you say, I'll pray for you, pray for them. Pray for them. Even if you've got to pray for them right now, pray for them. Be active when you're going to say something. Do it. Be doers of the word, not just hearers. Because that, that's a lot of times. Christians are guilty of saying, Oh, well, Lord bless you and keep you, you know, and we're praying for you. And then they don't pray, you know, pray for them. If you're on the phone, yeah, I'll pray for you. Well, wait a minute, let's pray right now. Pray right now. Do it. Don't, don't let it slip under the rug, you know, and pass away. Don't be passive. Be active in it. Now, here we have Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah, he's living in a different era during this time. It was a time when they were ruled by the Mosaic law, you know, uh, we know that grace, the grace of God is continually all the way through the Old Testament, but it's culminated in and brought into uh, the fruition through the cross. And so grace comes alive through the cross. But grace was practiced by God all the way through the Old Testament. Mercy's there. Grace is there. But he's living in a different time, a time when things were ruled uh, and they were ruled by the edicts of the Mosaic law, seeking God through righteous works and obedience to the law and such. So he's asking God to remember his good works. God, remember what I've done. Remember me. Remember the good for according to all these things that I've done for these people. Remember what I've done, Lord. The word of God tells us that God looks upon the heart. You know, it's not, it's not in the deed that you do, but it's in the heart that you have to do the deed. 
And that's what God looks at. He sees it. David, when he wanted to build the temple, God says, no, it's been set aside because you're a man of blood, but because it was in your heart. And God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The intent of why we do what we do is what God looks at. And so that's why we have to examine our hearts. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing this to be recognized by people? Or am I doing this for profit or gain? Or am I doing this for the Lord? That has to be our far and foremost uh, reason why we do what we do. And so here, from the, from the evidence of Nehemiah's uh, prayer here, he was doing it as unto the Lord. All of this stuff that he was doing, he was doing it. He wasn't doing it to be seen by men. He says, Lord, remember me. God, remember me for all the good according to what I have done. He's not doing it to be shown up or showing up. He's doing it so that, you know, like Jesus said, if you do your righteous works before men, what reward do you have? You already got your reward. If you're doing it to be seen by men, it's already, you've already got it. Don't expect anything else. When we do something, we, the, 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 the most important thing is why we're doing it and the intent of why we do it. Are we doing it to be recognized? Are we doing it for the glory of God and that we'll be right when we, we want to hear, well done. It's the only thing, I, only thing I care about. When I finish and the Lord calls me home, either in the rapture or in death, when I stand before him, I'll, I don't care. The only thing I want to hear is, well done, did good, Dan. That's all I care. Can you imagine standing before the king of glory and he said, well done. You did good. Oh, what a blessing to hear him say that. And Nehemiah, he's one to say that I don't care about what men say. I only care about what you say. And so he says there that I did not demand the governor's portion. That Ezra, Zerubbabel, and all the other men that were there before him, they were righteous men according to the law. Nehemiah takes it one step further. Didn't matter. I don't care what, what uh, uh, notoriety. I don't care. I just don't care about what God thinks. That's all I care about. And that's tonight. That's all we want to care about. We just want to care about what God thinks and what God looks at and what God sees. David said, search me, O God, and try my heart. And if there's any wicked way in me, if there's something that's not right in my heart, Lord, point it out. Let your, let your light shine in, the, in the, the depths and the core of my heart. You know, we're, we're um, to be honest, we're people that sit back and know where we are. We know what we've done. We know what we've said. We know our actions and our attitudes. If we be honest, we, we need to go before God and just say, Lord God, you're right and I'm wrong. I need to come to you and say, oh God, have mercy upon me. And Lord God, we just come here tonight and we do that. We just come and say, thank you, Lord God, for the good. And even, Lord, for those things that are not so good, we come to you, Lord God. We thank you that you want to work in us and you want to change us. Lord, you want to continue that work that you've begun us until the day of Christ. And Lord, as we take those steps, we ask you to change us, Lord. 
Change my heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord God, but to restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Lord, we ask that you would restore, Lord, that joy. I pray for the joy tonight, Lord, in, in us and in our time of fellowship. I pray for the joy, that you would renew the joy and the peace, that you would renew, Lord, the the weak hands and lift up those weak hands that hang down. Strengthen those feeble knees, Lord. Lord, I pray that, Father, you would take every one of us and lift us up and strengthen us by the righteousness of your right hand, your word says. Strengthen us, Lord, so that, God, we may be uh, vessels to be used in the hands of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you would bless our time as we just wait on you to hear from you. Lord, your word says, let each one have a song, a hymn, a praise, a word. And Lord, that, that's this time right here. If we have a song, if we have a praise, if we have a word, I pray that you would use us to minister to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We used to sing this song, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. And uh, I just pray that for us, that the Lord would bind our hearts together in the love of God and that we would be able to walk with each other in the love and the joy and the peace that his presence always brings to us. And so we just bless you, Lord. We thank you for tonight. We ask that you would fill us afresh so that, Lord, we can go back out there and be a light, Lord, in the midst of this world, Lord, and not just talk about it, but be that light for those. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing together. And we've got it up on the screen. Mm. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.